You're listening to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hey guys, Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. We got a great show planned for tonight. Former Husker safety Brian Wilson will stop by to chat and defend his wild assertions from Twitter about the quarterback race. That was pretty entertaining. Uh, but first, the Huskers took advantage of five turnovers to thump Illinois 54-35 this past weekend. Tyler, as the season draws to an end, how sad are you, man? Well, pretty sad. We're finally playing our best football. Um you know, the last few weeks we have, uh, with the exception of Ohio State, have had uh, some easier competition, and uh, the Huskers have taken advantage of it, especially on the offensive side. Um, and they had an outstanding game this week, um, having over 600 yards total offense against Illinois. We all knew that we'd be able to move the ball against them. Uh, none of us really, I think, thought they were going to have this much success doing it. Derek? You know, it's crazy because I – you didn't realize it until I started watching the game that Nebraska and Illinois were the most improved rushing teams in the country. And Illinois was like 146 yards a game more, and I think Nebraska's like 107 yards a game more. And they were two of the worst running teams in the country last year. So, And, and now Illinois is at number eight in the country, and Nebraska I think is at uh, 21, 22, I think. Uh, so to improve that much in one year with a new coach – it is awesome. I mean, it, it, Tyler, you're right. It is sad. I mean, it, I wish we could have been playing this good a ball all year long. And we, our record would have been totally different if we had been able to play the way we have this last four weeks. Well, to keep it going there, uh, let's talk about some of the turnovers and on special teams. Uh, that was uh, two areas that we've uh, we've gotten better with turnovers the last couple of games. But, you know, seeing the special teams, uh, they just shine. You know, we're getting – getting turnovers on special teams and the block punt. How cool was that? I mean, we did some great things. What did you think about that, Tyler? Uh, I, uh, it's awesome to see us take advantage of some opportunities. Um, I'll tell you a kid that, you know, we don't talk a lot about on this uh, podcast, but I love Stovall on special teams. Um, he's done some good things on kickoff return this year. He looked good in uh, – some punt situations. I mean, he has made plays, but the fact that we end up taking an area we've struggled all year in special teams um, and really had a great game and made the plays was probably the difference in this game. And I know we're going to talk about the defense, but, you know, we, we had a great game offensively. They couldn't stop us. We couldn't stop them. And the special teams really was the difference in this game is what put us over the top. Let's talk about that for a second, Derek. Uh, I've been kind of hard on this defense throughout the year. Uh, what's? Do you see any issues with this defense right now? Well, well hold on. Before we move on to defense, I, I kind of had a few things I'd like to have said about that special teams. All right, go ahead. Uh, you, you know, it, it's funny because I've heard some critical things for, from a few people here around here talking about, you know, that special teams wouldn't have been so good if, if Illinois wasn't playing so poorly on special teams. And, and maybe that's part of the case. I mean, they definitely gave us the chances. But I'll tell you what, at the beginning of the year, I don't know if we recover those fumbles at all. Like, I don't know. Look, when Caleb Lightworm was punting, I'm not sure if our defense even gets down there and, or if our special teams gets down there in time to make an attempt to recover that fumble. I mean, at the beginning of the year, a guy could have fumbled it, played around with it, picked it up, and still ran it in for a touchdown. And now we're getting guys down there. You see the aggressiveness on special teams so much better here these last few games. It's improving. It's still not anywhere where we near where we want it to be. But that block punt, you're right, that was awesome. That was one of the coolest special teams plays we've seen in three or four years, two or three years at least. Well, 2015 was the last time that we had a block punt. So that was... It's it's been a while. It just it seems like it's been a lot longer than that, though. Uh, but uh, I want to go back to the defense here, Derek. What, right. what improvements 
Oh, do you have more to offer? No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Let's, can, go, on, let's go on to I defense just, here. I, I'm sorry. Can I just go real quickly? I, I want to just hit the punny. And, and I, I agree. Isaac Armstrong um, has punted the ball well. But do you realize, like, so right now, um, I, I think I got this, this stat right. Derek, you posted this on Twitter, so correct me if I'm wrong. But right now, at this point in the season, we are uh, virtually even in punts between Caleb Lightborn and Isaac Armstrong. Do you realize Isaac Armstrong only has a three-yard advantage over Caleb Lightborn? Like, this is not like Caleb Lightborn. Isaac Armstrong is doing that much better. I know it's easy to bag on Caleb Lightborn because he's had some pretty big mess-ups, but like it's not like Caleb Light- Isaac Armstrong is doing that much better than Caleb did. He's not screwing up. So I think anytime you don't screw up, anytime you, you know, if you're making the uh, the not so top ten on ESPN with your punting, you're doing it wrong. When you're not kicking it in the right place, you're doing it wrong. Punters are supposed to go out there, kick the ball, have it covered. Uh, anyway, well, I, I, Tyler, I didn't think you wanted to talk about Caleb Whiteborn anymore. Well, I just, I'm just trying to. Especially for a guy that did not play this game at all. And probably won't play ever again. But uh, I just I, I just want to point out that I don't think he's quite as bad as everyone thinks. I'm you're not, in a minority. I, I'm not sure where you're getting your stats from. But Isaac Armstrong's punted. They both punted 24 times. Isaac Armstrong has 1,076 yards to Caleb Lightborn's 90, 998 yards. So for an average of 44.8, Okay. Versus a 41.5, so a three-yard difference. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you meant there was three yards total. No, 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 no. I meant on average, on average there's a three-yard difference in punting. But, but I think the difference is placement and hang time. That's where your difference is. You're, 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 with with, with uh, Armstrong, the, the, the special teams has time to run down and cover the punts where Lightborn was doing that ridiculous the, the rugby, rugby punt that that was given te- that was given our special teams no time to get down to cover it. I so, mean, fair enough. I mean, yeah, fair enough. But I just raw stats they are about equal. Only in your mind, only in your <laughs> mind. I'm truly in a minority there, Tyler. Terrible take. Uh, let's talk about defense, Derek. Uh, what does this defense need to do to improve here? Uh, honestly, I, I think we still need to get some players in here. I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, we're still really thin at middle linebacker. Outside linebackers haven't proven to be as good as what we thought they were going to be. The defensive line's really kind of disappointed me this year. I thought they were going to take a big step forward with the, with the talent we had there. And they haven't really proven to be as good as what we hoped they would be. Uh, we, we have improved some over last year. So, I mean, baby steps, I guess. I, you know, la- last year we gave up 36 points a game. This year we're only giving up 33 points a game. That's a small improvement. Uh, we were giving up 215 yards rushing a game last year. We're giving up 194 this year. Uh, total yards, we went from – we were actually a little worse, but we're ranked higher in the Big Ten. I, I don't know. We, we still have a lot of room for improvement on this defense. I think they're doing some things well. I, the turnovers is what the biggest deal is. Uh, we have 24 turnovers, which is fifth in the Big Ten right now. Uh, last year we were last with only getting 14. Or I'm sorry, that was sacks. Uh, turnovers, I lost track. I lost my stats. <laughs> Tyler, what, what, do you th- what are your thoughts on this defense? Well, I, I think they're just flat out not the not that good. I mean... You, you look at the – they still can't get pressure on the quarterback. A.J. Bush looked like Vince Young or Michael Vick against us. We couldn't stop him at all on Saturday. Um, you know, he ran all over us for the game. I mean, he ended the day with uh, oh, 187 yards rushing. We got lucky that Corbin got injured. Um, he had nine carries for 59 yards. I mean, they, they, they shredded us on the ground game. Um you know, I think when you look at this team uh, defensively, they they have not made progress. I think the down that really, uh, you know, changed that game was third down. They completed seven out of their 13 third down attempts. Of those seven third downs, 
I believe five of them were third and long. So they were converting third and longs, and a lot of those were on A.J. Bush runs. Um, Derek, you're right about your breakdown on the linebacking core. Besides Muhammad Barry, I don't like our linebacking core. Um, there, there is a take out there in college football land that this is what you have to get used to on a Scott Frost team, that this defense is going to be – they're always going to do this. Well, I'm going to tell you this much. We're not going to win many games if we're going to give up 380 yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's it just we will not win many games if we continue to do that. Well, j- just to stick up for those people, I, I don't think what they're saying is that you have to expect the defense to be this porous or this bad. I just think what they're trying to say is we're not going to see these top-rated defenses, most likely. I mean, you're going you're to expect a better defense than this, yes. But it's still going to be an offer, offense first type of team. That's just what Scott Frost runs. Well, and that's fine, and and that and that's an okay take. But to to say, you know, well, golly gee, you know, we can't be better because we don't have the personnel, or golly gee, Scott Frost does not want, you know, doesn't really care about defense. Well, you know what, Scott Frost is doing pretty well on offense with the same staff. Um, he's turned that around. I don't know why our defense can't be better. If, if so, it's not the players. I don't think, and, and it's it's not the system. And if if Scott Frost by design is wanting to give up 380 yards on the ground against a team like Illinois, then we're not going to win. And that's not his plan. He wants our defense to be better than this. He he he's trying to be nice to these kids, but he's got to be disappointed because this is not the team that we thought. I agree. I completely agree with that take. I agree with you, too, except for the fact that you're saying this defense hasn't improved at all. I mean, I think they have improved. Like, turnovers is a big thing. Like, look, you're seeing it now. You're seeing Trey Neal, or, uh, yeah, Trey Neal was doing almost every play where he's trying to strip the ball, and he did strip it a few times. Uh, you're seeing interceptions on this team. You're, you're, you're seeing the turnovers. And, and as far as getting no quarterback or no quarterback pressure, we've – We've got the most sacks we've had since 2016. If we can get two more of those, we'll pass that. Well, three more of those, we'll pass 26, uh, 2016. 2015, we only had 24 the whole year. We already have that. Last year, we only had 14. Uh, it, the, the pressure, it's not there consistently. How many sacks do we have now? 24. 24, okay. So we're averaging three a game right now. Which is better, like I said, that's better than we've done in the last uh, three years. If you go at looking at average per game, so there is some improvement. It's just not where we want it to be yet. See, I and, and Derek, but you look at the turnovers and stuff. But um, the Illinois fumbled the ball seven times. They coughed that ball up all over the field. And you know what? We did not take advantage as much as we should. A lot of those were on special teams. I'm not convinced, with the exception of the Ohio State game, that I am seeing our defensive strategy result in a lot of turnovers yet. Um, I, if we want to be that team that's a high turnover team, then they got to show it. Um, you know, sacks, yeah, I, again, you, maybe we're putting up some sacks, but a lot of those came early in the year against Colorado. We had three sacks against Illinois. I, honest to God, um, can't remember one legit rushing because they, granted, Illinois was pass, uh, running a lot and we were attacking behind the line of scrimmage, but it wasn't a lot of run protection that we got there quickly. Um, yeah, I, I just, I had, this was a disappointing game from the defense. Derek? I mean, it, it wasn't the game we, we all hoped for. You're right. I mean,. But look, I, I think I, I, Tyler, you and I both, I think, under, underestimated Illinois' defense or offense slightly. I, we knew they could run. They and look, they've been gouging teams all year. They're, like I said, they're the number eight team in the country right now with rushing yards per game. Uh, now, granted, we helped them out probably a little bit with that, with giving up three hundred eighty yards. Uh, but, but you know, the, I don't know what Lovey Smith's doing there, but he's turning that offense around. His defense is terrible still, but. He has turned that offense around a little bit. Now, should they, again, yes, you're right. We should have stopped him way better than we did. And it was disappointing. I just, uh, you know, if you want to talk on the season as a whole, if you look at outside of four games, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Illinois, who all run the ball well, with the exception of maybe Ohio State, who's still in the top half uh, ranked for yards per game. 
We're only averaging 112 yards a game. If you take those four games, and I know you can't do that, you can't always look at it that way, but we've had games where we looked really good at stopping the run. We've had games where we looked really good at stopping the pass. For whatever reason, we just can't seem to do it both in the same game. Well, after the rushing defense didn't look that great against Ohio State and again, Illinois, uh, we have Michigan State. They're bringing a 6-4 and four record to Lincoln on Senior Day. Uh, this is another 11 a.m. kickoff, which just sucks. Uh, but, you know, we'll have a chance to see if we can actually stop a run. Uh, Tyler, what does this Michigan State team bring to you that scares you? Oh, they bring a pretty good defense into town. I mean, you look at the course of this season, I mean, this defense has been elite. Um, of the last four games Michigan State has uh, played, uh, they have two games where they have held opponents to single digits. They have not given up 30 points uh, since the very first game of the season to Utah State. Um, I mean, this defense has been dominant across the board, um, and it shows statistically. This is going to be the number one run defense in the country. Derek, we just got done talking about the rush uh, in offense and what it brings. I mean, this is going to be the um, uh, unstoppable force against the unmovable object because their defense is uh, stout, and they could definitely stop and hold teams from scoring points so Derek if it comes down to just outscoring them what are the odds that we can out uh, outscore their offense I think they're pretty good their offense is atrocious this is probably the worst offense we've faced all year with the exception of maybe Bethune Cookman and that was more athletic than it was a bad offense uh you're right Tyler the the defense you look at the stats matchup on this, and it's just amazing because Nebraska leads in every offensive category, and Michigan State leads in every defensive category. And it's just the only thing that Michigan State's bad at is pass defense. So we might be able to pass quite a bit on their 97th in the country in pass defense. Uh, offensively, though, look – Brian Lewerke, we don't know if he's even going to play because he's he's questionable in this game with a shoulder injury. He's played the last three games with a shoulder injury. With a shoulder injury, he has passed 27 for 73 in the last three games. Wow. Uh, his replacement, Rocky Lombardi, which might be one of the coolest names ever, by the way, uh, <laughs> on the season, he is passing 34 for 70 at a 48% completion percentage. Uh, Lewerke's thrown nine interceptions this year. He's thrown one. They only have ten, ten touchdowns between the two of them. Uh, their leading rusher, L.J. Scott, just pulled out for the season because he's been out for most of, this, about most of the season. He's got 699 yards and 11 touchdowns. He's out. Uh, they're missing David Beadle, the, their center, Matt Allen, their guard, and another guard slash tackle, and Luke Campbell are all questionable in this game. And had, didn't play last week. Uh, their punter, they've had five punters so far this year. Two, They've lost really? two to injuries. One of them was their backup quarterback, Rocky Lombardi. Uh, found that kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I, I just, their offense, they, they threw, they had three turnovers last week against Ohio State. Uh, the turnover margin is. We're minus one on the year. They're plus one. So, I mean, you're looking at a pretty even turnover battle there. Uh, their defense has given up 250 yards passing or more in five different games. They have 380 to Arizona State, 319 to Utah State, 272 to Indiana, 373 to Northwestern, and 277 to Purdue. So, for as great as their defense is, and it is good, they don't give up a lot of points. Uh, they do give up some passing yards. And if we can create those passing yards and get into the end zone on some long plays, I think we have a good chance of outscoring them. You know, Derek, I, I actually disagree. I think when I look at what Michigan State's past defense has done uh, as of late, I, it's been very impressive. Three weeks ago against Purdue, they held David Plow to uh, three interceptions. Uh, two weeks against uh uh, Maryland, they held Maryland a 33% passing. And last week against Ohio State, they held Dwayne Haskins, one of the best passers in the Big Ten, 
to 24 out of 37 for only 227 through the air. This secondary has been playing a lot better as of late. Um, I, I think that Nebraska is going to have some troubles moving the ball through the air against them. You know, I disagree with you. You talk about Dwayne Haskins. He's just struggling right now. Nebraska, he only had 250 yards against Nebraska, and he was barely over 50% there. I think he was, uh, I don't remember what, exactly how, he only threw 32 times, but I think he was 54%. Uh, he struggled against Purdue. I'm not sure what's going on with Dwayne Haskins, but you talk about him being one of the best passing quarterbacks in the, in the Big Ten right now, and he's not proven it the last three weeks, period. Yeah, I mean, that may be fair, but we're going to be with an injured J.D. Spielman. Um, And say what you will about what Adrian Martinez has done these last few weeks, and it's been impressive, but it's been against some bad defenses. Um, This is going to be, I think this is overall a much better uh, team than Illinois or Minnesota was. Um, It will be interesting. But bottom line is the thing that concerns me the most it has nothing to do with our offense against their defense. It has to do with can we stop anyone? Um, Nebraska's defense has struggled this year. I mean, in fact, since uh, if you discount Bethune Cookman, it's been since Troy since we held an opponent to under thirty uh, to under twenty eight points. Um, you know, Nebraska has struggled a lot this year and defensively. I, I get that Michigan State's offense hasn't been good this year. Their passing attack's been terrible, one of the best, worst in the country, but I just don't see our defense be able to stop anyone at this point. Well, yeah, you, you talk about their pass, but their run defense or run offense is just as bad. They're 116th in the country right now in running. Uh, they're missing about half their offense. They're missing three-fifths of their uh, offensive line. I talked about that a little bit ago. Uh, they're missing their leading uh, runner. They're missing their leading receiver in Felton Davis, and we don't even know if the quarterback's going to play. I don't see how this offense is going to be that good. I, I don't see how they're going to be able to move the ball. That, they'll, they'll move it and they'll get some points on us, but I still don't think they can outscore this offense. And you talk about our offense being up, going, going up against some bad defenses, but, man, they did it against Ohio State, who has a good defense. I mean, they're, they're maybe not quite as good a run defense as, uh, as, as Michigan State is, but their pass defense is way better than what, what Michigan State's is, and we move the ball all over them no matter how we wanted to. So, Derek, I, I think, listening to you, go ahead, Tyler. Well, I, was saying, I think Michigan State, throw the stats away. From what I've seen on the field, they have the second best defense in the conference. Um, you're, you're right. We did all right against Ohio State offensively, but we only put up 31 points. Um, I, I, I wonder, against this good of a defense, if we're going to be able to hit that 30 mark on Saturday. Derek, listening to you, it sounds like uh, Nebraska should have no trouble with Michigan State. I don't know if I'd say no trouble, but I I won't give my pick away, but I, I definitely think there's a good chance we win. Todd, I, I sense a little bit more concern, but uh, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Let's uh, bring on our next guest. We now welcome back former Husker safety, Brian Wilson. Welcome, Brian. Hey, guys. How you doing? Oh, excellent. Hey, first of all, we hope you and your family are safe with the tragic wildfires plague in California right now, so... How close are those fires to you? Uh, the fires aren't too close to me. Um, we had one over here in Griffin Park the other day on Friday, which was a little close, um, closer than normal. Um, but the Calabasas and the Malibu fires, those are about, for me, about 25 miles. Of course, you got Calabasas High School where I coach is um, about, mm, i say about 10 miles away from those fires. Um, Gore Hills High School where we got friends at that coach. Um, the fire was literally like on their campus. Um, so, you know, Westlake, Oaks Christian, those schools are, are uh, a little bit more impacted by the fire uh, than Calabasas or any other school my way. Well, it's terrible going on right there, affecting real lives. You know, we're here talking about football, but, you know, real lives are being affected. So that's not yeah, good. Yeah, definitely, man. It's uh, definitely a, a very interesting uh, week and a half here in uh in California, Southern California, you know, especially so. But the whole state, there's fires up north. I'm pretty sure you guys saw that Monday night game. Yep. Uh, so there's fires the whole state. I mean, usually it's a little bit earlier in the year for us, more like August, September. Uh, we kind of skirted it in August, September, but it's still, I mean, still hot on uh, what, I think it was like 84 out here. At least where I'm at, it was 84 on Halloween, which is like 
weird, you know. <laughs> so I just explained just the, the, the weather out here is just crazy. So it's crazy. And, well, here, speak- and here we are in Nebraska trying to break 30. I mean, go figure. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of fires, uh, Brian, uh, you s- kind of set Husker Twitter on fire this past week with a single tweet. And uh, <laughs> here's the tweet for those that have not seen it. Uh, Brian writes, am I wrong to think Vedral could be the starting quarterback for the Huskers next year? He is very similar to Martinez in size and athletic ability. Vedral is better natural passer. I think the passing element is what can get Vedral the nod. So uh, it's never a good sign when a tweet gets 16 likes and 125 responses. (laughs) (laughs) So Brian, uh, Take this time to explain and defend your take because looking at your responses, I don't think anybody agreed with you. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, nobody. I mean, there was a couple <laughs> people that did, maybe like three. Uh, <laughs> but most people, it was like, they took it as me, like, shooting down Martinez and knocking the kid. I'm like, I've never, ever, ever, ever knocked the kid. I never said anything negative about the kid, ever. And I never will. I mean, as you guys know, I'm not big on, on talking about the kids while they're, you know, while they're playing. I mean, they're doing it for free. We can talk about the guys that play on Sundays and Mondays that get paid. But, you know, these guys are giving it their all. So the last thing I'm going to do is, like, bash a kid that's out there playing. I mean, I was in their shoes, so I totally understand it, so I wouldn't do it. But, I mean, my logic was, you know, you know, Vedral, he didn't come back to Nebraska for no reason. Like, there, he didn't come back to sit on the bench. He didn't come back just because it's the home state and to wear a jersey and stand on the sideline. I mean, this is a good quarterback. He's a good athlete. He's a good quarterback. He throws the ball, to me, naturally better than Martinez when you watch their tape. Um, and then even when you watch Martinez in, in in game, there are certain throws, some of those underneath crossing routes, those, you know, that, that he throws a little bit behind or in front. And, you know, his accuracy is not there. So what I've learned from the quarterback position is quarterbacks just don't develop accuracy. The accuracy isn't something that you can um, – you can train now you can scheme it to where you know you throw a lot of bubbles a lot of short hitches um you know you can scheme accuracy but in terms of accuracy when throwing under pressure throwing when the game's on the line i mean martinez has missed some of those throws this year so i was just thinking out loud like why not the kid didn't come back here to play frost didn't bring him back to stand around he brought him back to compete for a job so i mean why could the kid not compete i mean when he announced he was coming back everybody was super excited now you know six months later kid, you know, he can't throw his way out of a wet paper bag and he's horrible and he'll never see the field. It's like, well, how did the narrative change so quick? Like, how do we how do we just jump from we love the kid coming back home to, oh, he'll never play. He's a backup for life. He's a, you know, he'll never start anywhere. Like, whoa, whoa, like, where do we, how, do, how did this happen? Like, how do we get to this point? And I understand it because Martinez is looking, I mean, he looks great right now. But when you look at the numbers, I mean, his average, I think he averages like 8.5 yards per completion. You know, when you look at some of the more explosive offenses, yeah, we moved up a lot in terms of where we, where we were last year to where we are now in terms of uh, offensive production. But you look at those explosive offenses, when they throw the ball, they throw the ball for 10, 12, 13-plus yards down the field, you know, because that's what the, the rules allow, and that's what the game is nowadays. So, you know, I was just – put it out there and people just like you'd be surprised how many people hit me up like you hate martinez you're a jebula lover I'm like, oh, like, where does this, like where does this come from where does this come from so you know it is what it is so so was uh uh were the jebia comments were those the worst comments that you received uh no the, the worst ones were the people with like not real pictures and um, they're, calling you, they're calling you idiots and stuff like that. I'm like, wait a minute. You either you have a picture of a of a grown man on <laughs> you have a high school picture of a grown man on your Twitter, or you have a picture of something that doesn't show who you are, and you're calling me the idiot. I'm like, bro, like if it's for business, I get it, but you're just doing it to do it. I'm like, how am I the idiot? I don't get it. Like I'm, I'm confused. So no, man, it's always uh, always interesting. I mean, and it's just like. Like, as much as I love Tristan and I coached him, like, he's not in the program. So why am I going to talk about a kid that's no longer in the program? Like, well, one, it's not fair to the program. And two, it's not fair to the kid to be talking about him, even in the, even, you know, in a positive way. 
he's no longer here. Like, why keep bringing it up? Why keep talking about it? The kids moved on. We should move on. I moved on. His family moved on. Like, let it go. Yeah. Now, I I will say that, you know, uh, I I saw your tweet and I raised my eyebrows a bit because, you know, uh, we saw a veteran play in the spring game. And with uh, somebody being in a Scott Frost system for an entire year, he definitely didn't look like he was commanding the offense with uh, like somebody that's been in the offense for a while. And then when he came in uh, a couple of games ago with uh, uh, Bethune Cookman, he's I he still didn't look that great. And uh, okay, so come I on, can come on. You guys hammered the kid. You guys hammered him. Told said he looked like garbage. I did stick up for the guy a little bit. Like he played with the twos. The offensive line didn't block for him whatsoever. He had the the wide receivers had some drop passes. I stuck up for him a little bit. Uh, I, I can see where you're saying that maybe he could compete for the job, but at the end of the day, man, Adrian Martinez just looks so good. And I, I don't know if I could see him competing enough to start next year. I definitely think he could easily beat out Bunch, especially after watching him do nothing in the last game. Yeah. No, it, it was just, I mean, we also got to remember that the kid's been getting third-team reps because he wasn't supposed to be eligible. You know, so he's been either A, working with the scout team, or B, in the spring, it was a two-person race between Tristan and, and uh, Adrian. So they're really, and then you have to get bunch ready because you didn't know if if, if, if uh, the draw was going to be able to to play via the NCAA. So he might have been getting four team reps. So my logic was the last time he's had a real practice and played in competitive football was when he was at UCF. So we're talking like what January, you know, yeah. of last year. So and that's I mean meaningful reps in practice meaning. The quarterback's going to get the way it goes. Usually, is the quarterback is the starting quarterback gets, gets four, backup quarterback gets two, and then the third teamer is usually down with the scout team. You know, you're usually down there, you know, throwing throwing interceptions. You know, so to make the, the defensive coordinator happy. So, um, you know, I was just thinking like the guy hasn't got any reps, and then me talking to a couple people I know in the scouting community who scouted him out of high school, they were saying if if the kid was in a state like Arizona or Colorado. Um, you know, he probably would have been a higher rated player. So I was like, well, I mean, the kid's been in a, you know, uh, been in this offense. He knows the offense in and out. Um, everybody I talked to says the kid is like a coach. So, like, I mean, why not? Why can't he compete? Like, we want, comp- especially at the quarterback position, you want as much competition as possible. You look at Ohio State, when they were rolling a couple years ago, you had Braxton Miller, JT Barrett, and then you had, uh, you know, uh, what's the, the guy that's playing with the uh, Cardell Jones Chargers right now, Cardell Jones, you know, like those are three NFL players, you know, playing quarterback. So you want as much talent in that room as you could possibly have. So that was my logic behind the whole thing. Well, come next year, you could look like a, a genius. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I don't I don't want to look like a genius. I want, you know, I really want Martinez to do uh I really want him to do well. I want him to, you know, I want him to go on. I want him to win a Heisman. I want him to win that championship. I mean, I want him to, you know, to throw for 3,000, rush 4,000. I want him to have a Cam Newton type year. Yeah. Every year he's wearing our uniform. Um, you know what I'm saying? So, but it was just, you know, from a competition standpoint, I'm like, why not have as much competition in that room as you could possibly have? Because I look at our 2019 quarterback we got coming in. I mean, he's more of an athlete. We don't know, really know in terms of what type of quarterback he is. You know, his brother played quarterback there. Um, he kind of had to have a power move to where dad came in and made a move to where he played quarterback his senior year. So, you know, it was just interesting. Like, I'm kind of, uh, you know, as much competition in that room as you could possibly get. Um, I wanted, I want to get, like, uh, Kelly Bryant to come to Nebraska or Jalen Hurst to transfer to Nebraska and compete and just <laughs> yeah. make that room a whole lot better. And give us more options because you're only as good as that position takes you in football. So, you know, that's my whole logic behind it. All right. Tyler. Well, first of all, I, I perked up a little bit on the thought of uh, a Bryant or a Jalen Hurts transferring. That that would be a that would be a lot of fun to see. But I, I do feel good about Adrian Martinez going forward, uh, if he's a lone wolf. So Brian, it's been a little bit since we had a chance to catch up with you last. Um you know, Nebraska this year, we kind of got off to a rough start, kind of turned the corner a little bit. So I, I guess, you know, year one in the 
you know, 80% in the books for the Frost era. Well, what has been your evaluation of what he's brought to Nebraska? Um, well, definitely the mindset has changed. You can see that with the kids. I think uh, the first couple games, are, you could probably tell there was a couple guys still on the fence um, that weren't all the way bought in. Um, and now I think you see – I think we're at like probably like 90, 95% of those kids are bought in. I think there'll probably be a couple more transfers at the end of the season of guys who don't fit. So, I mean, right now I think everybody's in a positive uh, positive spot. You know, I think uh, beating uh, Minnesota and then beating Bethune-Cookman, um, you know, the kids seeing confidence, getting confidence in the system and seeing success in it, um, I think that was key. I think earlier in the season not playing that first game, really hurt us because we went into uh, the Colorado game. Uh, a lot of emotion, a lot of, you know, a lot of everything. Going first home game for Coach Frost, you know, everybody wants to get him his first win. Everybody wants to do everything for him. And I think that um, a lot of the kids, they just weren't ready for that moment. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and you roll it, like I said, Minnesota, Bethune-Cookman, those two games really helped us. I would love to see us get that Purdue game back. Um, uh, I think that if we played them again right now, we, we would beat them. Um, you know, so um, I think right now, man, we're headed in the right direction. The kids look fully bought in. The coaches look on the same page. I think that's another part that a lot of people didn't realize is this staff has been together, but they haven't been together that long. And this is really their, you know, I think I said it on Twitter before is as coordinators and head coach, you know, these guys haven't been in these big-time games before either. So there was an adjustment period for those guys in terms of play calling, knowing um, because you don't get to scrimmage in college. You only get to play against each other um, in practice. So these guys, I think the first five games, they were figuring out who was who and what was what with the pieces that they had. And I think you started to see it for sure against Minnesota. And I think you saw it in the Purdue game where it all started clicking for the coaches. Um, it came together for them. And the play call, I think if you notice, the play calling on offense has changed a lot too. Um, and Martinez isn't holding the ball as long. He's getting out of his hands a lot quicker. And more people are involved in the offense. Mm -hmm. So I think that's key too. More guys are touching the ball and the spread offense that Frost has. Um, it has the element that anybody can touch the ball. So you have to account for everybody and account for the running quarterback, which makes it uh, the true stressor on the defense. So, so Brian, at the beginning of this, you kind of talked a little bit about players buying in. And, you know, one, one thing that, that intrigues me, you know, I look at Scott Frost and I think, man, if I played offensive football, I would want to play for Scott Frost. It, it seems fun. It seems you, you get some plays, but we, we a lot of the speculation um, and, and even confirmation of some of the kids that may not have bought in have been on the offensive side. So I, I guess I'm asking you to put yourselves in their head a little bit. Why would they not be buying in? Is it as simple as they are not getting the reps they feel? Or do you think there's some other things behind the scenes that make them not really truly buy into this offense? No, well, it's an adjustment period, too, for sure. So um, the adjustment period, one being uh, – these guys aren't around Frost as much as we think they are. You're around the strength conditioning coaches the most in college football than, uh, than the coaching staff. You only get 24 hours with the coach staff in a week. That includes game time or the Saturday. So you got to think a Saturday is a, a normal Saturday is what, a six-hour? I mean, you're talking about if the game is at noon or at one, you're waking up at six. So that's, you know, a six, seven-hour block of time of that 24 hours that you don't get during the week. Um, to be with your coaches. So um, I think that it was, a one, a building of, a, of the relationships and that connection between player and coach that had to be built. Um, and then, two, uh, it's like shooting, like a shooter in basketball. Like a shooter can struggle, but then you foul him and he goes to the free throw line and makes two free throws, and then he's rolling. You know what I'm saying? So I think that us not playing that very first game and hanging 60 on somebody, going into the Colorado game when the game got tight, Certain people didn't play. Certain people didn't play in positions that they thought they were going to play or that they practiced. Um, I think it soured some people. Um, and then, you know, that four-game transfer rule um, is also a part of it, too. We saw a couple guys transferred that were playing, that were getting good reps that were that, that left. Um, so uh, I just think it was 
you're trying to build something um, during the season, which is the hardest time to do it. But that really was the only time they had to do it because um, these kids got to see the success on the field. I'm pretty sure, like, if Tyjon has scored five touchdowns, he's not transferring. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? No. If the, if, the court, if the running back has scored four or five touchdowns, he's not leaving. You know what I'm saying? So these kids just have to see that success, and I think they saw it against Minnesota, and that, I think that's when you saw everybody turn the corner is, okay, what he's talking about works. I saw it. Now I scored doing it. He said I would score doing it. Now there's a connection. There's a relationship. There's a bond there because you succeed. Like if you invest, if you go into business with people and you fail, it's a very good chance that you're not going to do business with them again. It's just the nature of human beings. This is how we are. Um, So definitely got some success going. Um, I think the kids bought into the weight room. I think that was easy. Because, you know, Zach's personality and I think that group that they have down there in the weight room is a great group. And the energy and, you know, like I said, a lot of those guys, that's more so the weight room is more so peer-to-peer as a coach-to-peer. So I think, you know, they bought in there, but I just think them believing in the offense and the scheme took time. You got to see success happen. And then, you know, going into the film room every Sunday and seeing it fail and seeing it not work and you're missing assignments, your coach is yelling at you, it gets frustrating. Until you break through, and then they broke through, and now I think um, going forward, it'll be not smooth sailing, but it'll be it'll be easier for guys to integrate into the the program because they the guys have seen success now. Excellent, Derek. Okay, so we, we we've talked about the uh, defensive struggles on this podcast a little bit here. Uh, you know. The start of the year, it looked like our run defense was going to be really good and our pass defense was going to be terrible. And then later on, we've gotten into these games where now all of a sudden it looks like our run defense is really terrible and our pass defense is looking okay. Uh, it, what can this team do? After you've been a player on on defense at the college level and you've coached some defense in the high school level, what can this is this a schematic problem? Is this a personnel problem? What, what, what do we need to do to improve this defense overall? Well, I think, number one, you got to get consistency in the system. For a lot of these guys, this is their third or fourth defense that they've learned in four or five years, which is tough. I mean, it takes a lot of time, you know, to know where you got to be, um, know what calls, to know the, the, little, the, the little checks that you got to make um, while the play's moving and then, on defense, it's more so trusting where the other person is going to be while the play is going. You know, on offense, you kind of everybody knows where to go, what to do. On defense, you're kind of you're reacting, but you also got to trust that the other person is going to be there. And I think what's happening, or what was happening uh, earlier in the season in the past defense, is the guys on the back end didn't completely trust that everybody knew what was going on, so they would try to do other people's jobs. And when you do that, nobody gets a job done because you got two people doing something they're not supposed to do, um, which leads to touchdowns on the back end because they're the last line of defense. Now, fast forward, the last couple games with the run defense, it's the same thing. You got guys trying to do more than they should be doing instead of just doing their job. So it's not really an effort thing. It's more so just do what you do. If the person next to you doesn't do what he's supposed to do, then the coaches will get on him and get him out as opposed to you trying to do two things at once and getting nothing done. Um, so I think, I think that's part of it. I think that's, that's a big part of it. Um, and then just getting comfortable with the scheme. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that goes into defenses, especially nowadays with these spread offenses, um, just getting comfortable and understanding it and really trusting it. Um, I think that's, that, 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 that's key. So Brian, how far away are we from having a good defense or do you think we're close? Uh, like, what do you like a good defense as into like, who would be a reference point for a good defense? God, that's, geez, that's a great question. Uh, we'll just say even like the 2010 Husker defense. I don't want to say the 2009. That was excellent. Right, well, but. You got to remember that those, those teams had that defense had in 2009 and 2010. I mean, multiple guys get drafted or multiple guys make NFL rosters and play four or five years. So when you talk about that, like that's a, that's a a talent thing right there. So that means infusing talent back into the program 
um, on the defensive side of the ball. So um, I think, you know, that if we're looking to get there, probably four years. I mean, I think we need to recruit better. Um, you know, I've talked about how we recruited uh, years, you know, over a 10-year period where we really haven't recruited very well. Um, you know, so I think um, the key to it is, I think the key to college football now is who gets the big guys? Who gets mm-hmm. them? Now you're either getting the plug-and-play guy, which is Clemson, Alabama, uh, LSU, uh, even USC, as bad as they're doing, they still get those plug-and-play guys that come in as freshmen and can play right away. Um, or you're going to get that developmental kid who's the 6'5", 6'6", 3'10", 320 kid, but he's two years away from playing. So you got to redshirt him, develop it in the weight room, and then get him on the field. And then he just he – now, once he's on the field, he's another year and a half away from being who we all think he can be for the next three years. So um, I think that we are – three years away from getting that plug-and-play kid, but that developmental kid is always accessible up front. Um, so I, I think, you know, three years will be a solid all-around defense that is going to be top 20, top 15. Um, I think next year we might struggle still just because you're trying to put the pieces of the, pieces of the puzzle together, whether it be recruiting through transfers or however they want to do it. Um, so – I think you might see some of the same issues next year because last year we didn't have any depth on the D-line. This year we got a little bit of depth, um, and I'm not sure how many seniors are up front, um, but you also got you got to count for attrition, guys graduating, leaving, and then keeping the guys that you got and getting those guys better. So I would say three years, depending on uh, how recruiting goes. So one of the things that we like to talk on this podcast, and we talked about it earlier tonight, was uh, that this defense right now, uh, without big improvements, this isn't a defense that's going to get you any championships. So having, like, say, a serviceable defense to, say, win the West, uh, are we that far off on defense to win the West next year, you think? Well, so I, I don't think we are. I think I don't think we are because our offense is going to be better. Okay. So when your offense is uh, scoring points and – getting on the other team and the offense that can score quickly, um, it kind of helps the defense because now the other team has to either slow the game down by trying to control the clock, um, run the ball a little bit more, um, maximize the possessions that they get because they don't want to give the ball back to the offense, to the Nebraska offense, because they could strike up the band at any point. And then next thing you know, the team could be down 21 nothing, 28 nothing, and it changes your whole game plan offensively which makes it easier on the defense. So I think next year, I think if the offense is a lot better, um, which I think it will be, I think we're trending in the right direction, um, it'll definitely make the defense better. Um, I think, you know, Wisconsin is still the the model in the West that we have to beat. So I think we're three years away from consistently starting to beat them. Um, And then I think we're five years away from being in the the Michigan, uh, Ohio State, that type of conversation, which is which is fine. Yeah. Uh, I think five years is a great window to have because you really get to build it. You look at Jim Harbaugh, like he kind of built – he had that run where he, like Brady Hope really left him a lot of talent, so he got lucky, and he was able just to kind of move things around and make it work for those first two years. And then the third year they kind of peaked, and then last year you kind of watched it fall off because they had holes, but it's Michigan. Mm-hmm. You know, Michigan's able to just go out and pluck people around the country because, uh, you know, it's, the logo is still strong. Now, the Nebraska logo is still strong, but our recruiting base isn't as strong as it, as it has been across the country um, because we've been, you know, we struggled the last two years. So um, I think I think a five-year window is, is fine, and I think Scott has that five-year window um, to work with, and I think the fans will give him that five. I think that's the key the fans giving them that five-year window to really build this and peak at year five so you can create that uh, that, that that five- to ten-year run like Ohio State or, um, you know, Clemson or whoever else, you know, like that, that type of window. Well, right now we're three and seven, and the fans absolutely adore Scott Frost. He can't do any wrong. So I think they're going to give him the time. Uh, oh, yeah. But, he got, he, he's got the time for sure. Oh, yeah. 
Well, great stuff as always, Brian. But it's time to make some picks here. Uh, we we picked five games, all against. Uh, well, all our picks straight up, not against the spread. Uh, but first, Tyler, how? What are the standings? Well, Brian, I, you are taking over uh, a lot of people that have kicked our ass this year. Uh, <laughs> uh, our our guests have come on every week and have dominated us um, for year to date. Uh, our guests are up forty seven. They're forty seven and eighteen in weekly picks, um, which is up seven games against the cousins. Uh, Justin and Derek, you are both tied right now at forty and twenty five. Um, and I am just dying. I am 36 and 29, but I did, uh, tie Derek for the winner last week. So I'm coming for you. I'm coming for the number one spot. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see here. All right, Derek, first game to you. Number 12, Syracuse at number three, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is 10 point favorites. Oh, this is, I think this could be a really good game. Uh, Syracuse is playing good ball right now. Uh, they they have a really good offense, but their defense just really isn't there. I think Notre Dame has got the defense. This could easily turn into a shootout, and I think Notre Dame will come up with a few more stops than Syracuse and come out with a victory. Brian, I'll go Notre, Notre Dame for sure. That Notre Dame O line is uh, is nasty. I think uh, they're running the ball at like an amazing clip, and I just don't think Syracuse can hold up. Especially not, I think if it was in the dome, I think we'll be a little different conversation. At Notre Dame, I think, uh, no, nah, I think Notre Dame probably wins it running away. So, and they pound them into the ground running the ball. <laughs> Tyler. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with you two. Uh, I mean, I think Notre Dame is the better team. I think they, I, I'm not convinced that they are playing their best ball right now. I think September was a good month. Uh, for them, but you look what they did against Northwestern a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, the week before that against Pittsburgh, uh, that they, they haven't been dominant. But I, I do think they are a better team. I, I just don't buy Syracuse as a contender. I know they played clubs and closed, but um, I, I just I don't buy them as a contender yet. I have Notre Dame as well, uh, mainly for their defense. Uh, Tyler, Wisconsin at Purdue. Purdue's four and a half point favorites. I, I, honest to God, did not think I would ever see the day that Purdue was favored against Wisconsin. Um, Jonathan Taylor is probably the best running back in the country. I think Wisconsin wins this game. Derek? You know, the problem is I don't think Jonathan Taylor can do it by himself. And I don't, there's still, Hornerbrook's still questionable. I'm not sure if he's going to play again. And they got destroyed last week without him. I, their, their defense isn't as good as it's been in past years. I, I think Purdue finds a way to win this game at home. Yeah. Brian? I'll take Purdue at home. I like, uh, like what, what is that, the, the Moore kid? Yeah. Rondell Moore. Moore. Yeah. Moore. Yeah. I think, he, I think he goes crazy again. I think they figure out a way to get in the ball. So, uh, you, know, I, they, you know, yeah, I'll go. Wisconsin can't throw the ball. The, the forward pass is foreign in Wisconsin right now, so uh, I'll go with uh, I'll go with uh, with Purdue. I have Purdue as well. Uh, I think they rebound big time after their embarrassment last week. So, all right, Brian, this one's to you. Uh, terrible game to pick, but Duke at number two, Clemson. Yeah, I'll, I'll go uh, Clemson. Clemson might run for seven hundred yards this week. <laughs> Tyler. Uh, yeah, you know, Clemson's starting a freshman quarterback for people that forgot. Mr. Lawrence does not look like a freshman. He will throw or put up at least 400 yards total offense against Duke. Uh, Clemson wins handily. Derek? Uh, yeah, I, look, Clemson's number two in the country. I'm not so 100% sure they shouldn't be getting some talk for number one. Everyone talks about how, how bad Alabama is and and they're good. I'm not saying they're not. Uh, they're, they're really similar. Uh, Nebraska, uh, Clemson has 526 yards of offense. Alabama has 539. Defense, Clemson has 253. And uh, Bama averages 282. They're, they're really pretty evenly matched. And that, that's going to be the fun matchup when it comes to the playoff. Uh, Clemson's going to run away with this big time because they're just as good as Alabama, in my opinion. All right, Derek, sticking with you. Number 16, Iowa State. At number fifteen, Texas. Wait, Justin, did you pick that game? 
Oh, Cle- yeah, it's Clemson all the way. <laughs> I just think I was going to take Duke. Come on, man. Uh, uh, all right, we'll go into this game. Uh, oh, this this is probably the toughest game we had to pick all, out of all of these. Uh, I'm going to give it to Texas just being at home. That, that's the only reason I'm giving it to them. I think this is on neutral field. I'd probably pick Iowa State. Uh, but being at home, I'll, I'll go ahead and take Texas. Brian? I'm going to go Iowa State. Iowa State, uh, I don't know if you guys remember when uh, Kansas State went in and beat uh, Texas with uh, Jordy Nelson and he took a punt back and uh, kickoff back and then I went to the, took one to the house receiving. So I'm going to go with Iowa State. I can't trust Ellinger. And then that uh, the, the offense the offense down there, they don't have a play over uh, a big play over 20 yards or something like that on offense this year at Texas. So I'll go, uh, okay. I'll go with uh, Iowa State. Tyler. Yeah, Derek, you're right. This is a tough game to pick, um, and I liked your thought process. It's in Austin. Um, I'm going to go with Texas in this game. Yeah, I'm going with Texas as well, and that's just because David Montgomery, the running back for Iowa State, he's going to be out for the first half because uh, he got in a fight last week, uh, so he has to sit out. So you know what that means, guys. Uh, the guests picked one Iowa team, State and we went against win. the <laughs> we went against the guests, so Iowa State will win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tyler, uh, West Virginia minus five at Oklahoma State. I got three words: Will freaking Greer. Uh, West Virginia wins this game. Derek, you know everybody talks about Will Greer, and he is really, really good. Oklahoma State puts up a lot of yards and a lot of points. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to defense. And surprisingly, West Virginia is pretty high rated in defense, and Oklahoma State's not. West Virginia is 37th in total D, 21 in rush D, and 24 in score defense. I I think defense becomes a factor in this game. I think West Virginia wins. Brian? I'll go West Virginia. West Virginia, I, I'm, this is not a normal Okie State team. Uh, they don't have that quarterback this year, so uh, I'll go with uh, I'll go with West Virginia. Same West Virginia here. Uh, all right, now it's time for the score prediction contest. Uh, Michigan State minus two and a half at Nebraska on Senior Day. It's going to be a fun game. Uh, Derek. Well, I think you mentioned it yourself right there. It's Senior Day. These kids ain't gonna let these seniors go out on a, on a, on a low note at home. Uh, their offense is struggling so bad, and they've had a lot of injuries on that offense. I don't. I don't they're gonna probably score some points against our defense because they're still struggling. Uh, but I, but I think at the end of the day, Nebraska finds a way to win this game. I think they win it fairly. I, I, I have Nebraska win thirty one twenty one. Thirty one twenty one. Brian. I'll go, uh, what, 42-28, something like that? 42-28, wow. yeah. High-scoring yeah. game. Tyler. Guys, I want Nebraska to win. I want Nebraska to go out on top of sing, uh, senior day. I, I told Justin uh, this uh, yesterday. I hadn't made up my mind which way I was going to go in this game. Um, I, I want the win to happen, but I just don't see it. I think Michigan State wins 30-27. to 27. Oh, I hate you. Uh, I have I have Nebraska winning twenty seven to twenty. I think this is going to be a really fun game to watch. I think there's probably going to be a little bit of frustrating moments when uh, the offense stalls a little bit, but uh, I think uh, Divina Zigbo he's going to be the difference in this game. He's going to break out on a play, and what a pleasant surprise he's been. So, all right. Well, I like uh, Brian's pick the best. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, Brian, uh, any final comments? Oh, no, man. Thank you guys for having me on again, man. I appreciate it. So hopefully we can uh, do it again sometime, maybe uh, January, February, once the season's over, and then kind of run back the whole thing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it, man. It was great stuff. Have a good night. All right, guys. Have a good one, fellas. Bye. All right, now it's time for the Let It Ride segment. Uh, this is the segment where we bet uh, $3 starting out and keep that money going week after week. And half the money will go to Tom Osborne's Teammates Foundation, and we'll keep the other half for 
podcast expenses and whatnot. Uh, last week, we had to start all over, and uh, we took Washington State minus six and a half over Colorado. We won, of course. Uh, so now we're rolling 586 into this week, and we're going to lay some big points. Utah State minus 28 over Colorado State. Derek, why is this a good pick? Uh, you know, Utah State, is, I'm a believer. They, they, these guys are just humming on offense. Defensively, they seem to stop pretty teams pretty well. Uh, Colorado State, State's been so down this year, really. Uh, I, I don't see how this could be a bad pick, really. Tyler, anything to offer? No, I mean, you're right. Michigan State's offense is good. I talked about it earlier. They're the only team to score over 30 points against Michigan State. I think they have an offense good enough to move the ball. I think they win big. Yeah, I love, you know, and they're making a lot of people money betting them. They're 9-1 against the spread this year, which is amazing. Colorado State, they're 3-7 and seven against the spread. They got a lot of issues, and looks like they keep getting worse. So I look for a Utah State to roll in this game. All right, now it's time to get out of here. But first, it's last call time. Last call to you, Tyler. It's been an interesting day uh, or week in college football. Um, we had a uh, couple of coachings be fired. Uh, you had Mr. McIntyre from uh, Colorado, and Bobby Petrino got fired from Louisville. Uh, this is definitely going to be interesting next year with Jeff Brom being probably the likely front runner for the Louisville job. Um, that could definitely change up some of the Big Ten with uh, some of the changes. But the co- coaching carousel is started. It will be an interesting run, boys. Derek? Yeah, I mean, you'll you look at it. Although I will say that the uh, Colorado Athletic Director has come out and said that this is not true. He has not been fired. There's been no decision made yet. But I think that's what Bill Moose said last year with, Bill, with Mike Riley, too. So uh, it, it, it seems like he's probably most likely fired. Uh, Bobby Petrino has been fired. as That has definitely been reported. Uh, I, I kind of posed this question to you guys earlier. You know, how, how many new coaches could we end up facing next year between Colorado? Uh, it, Tyler, you mentioned uh, Louisville taking Jeff Brom possibly. Uh, I'm not 100% convinced that uh, Urban Meyer will be here at Ohio State next year. There's a good possibility we could be facing three or four good co- uh, new coaches next year. I, would, I wouldn't I would be mad if we faced eight new coaches next year, really. <laughs> uh, hey, but you know what? There's, there's a couple of guys out there that I think are in the money for some uh, good jobs, and that's that Utah State coach, uh, Matt Wells. We talk about him, Derek, and he's done a great things there. Uh, and another guy out of Buffalo, Lance Leopold, uh, he's having a hell of a season, and he had a great he had great run in Division Three at uh, I think Wisconsin Whitewater is where he was, and he won like six national titles in a row. And uh, he's having a good year with Buffalo, so I think those are two guys that are going to be uh, hot commodities coming up. Uh, Derek, last call to you. All right. So uh, there are around a little over 1,200 coaches in FBS uh, as, as assistant coaches. And the Broyles Award has named 53 on their watch list, or uh, I don't want to call them finalists because I don't think they're quite finalists, but on their watch list. And uh, Mario Vadusco, everybody's favorite coach at Nebraska, has made this list. And I thought that was pretty cool. So. Tyler. Well, rightfully so. Um, what he has done with Adrian Martinez and the development that young man has made um, has been remarkable. He is arguably the coolest coach on our staff. Um, I, I'm excited for him to get a little bit of recognition, and hopefully those quarterback recruits come keep coming in. Yeah, he's just keeping it going with uh, the success that he's had with uh, uh, quarterbacks. You know, Mackenzie Milton at UCF. He continues to be a great player. Uh but, yeah, he's, he's doing an excellent job. He gets my vote for sure. All right, last call to me. And I'm going with Nebraska ball for the third straight week. Uh, Nebraska ball, uh, we are 2-0 and now with another lopsided win against Southeast Louisiana on Sunday night. Tomorrow night, the Huskers, they're going to host Seton Hall in their first two challenges this season, which is going to be a fun game, although Nebraska's eight-point favorites right now. But uh, 
What do you guys think here? Are you guys getting excited? Derek? Ah, not yet. I, I want well, to. I want on. to. But come on. We've played Southeast Louisiana and Missouri Valley State or whatever. I mean, we've played nobody. Yeah, we're destroying them. I watched that game against Southeast Louisiana, and it literally looked like a uh, college team playing a fifth-grade team. We were taller than them. We were more athletic. We were just taking the ball away from him. It looked like a big brother taking the ball away from a little brother. That's all it looked like. There was so bad that Southeast Louisiana's uh, point guard stole the ball from us, and Nebraska just let him go. It was like, all right, just go, whatever. We we had a big enough lead. They didn't care. And he went to go dunk it, and he missed it. <laughs> Leave that kid alone. That was an embarrassing moment. <laughs> the, the student section let him have it, too. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, it's a great start. I mean, right now this, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this may be the best Nebraska ball team we've ever seen. Um, I I think there's a legit shot. This is a national championship club. Uh, I'm all in on this hype chain, baby. Hell yeah. Love it. (laughs) I love your optimism. (laughs) Pour another bourbon. All right, guys, let's let's get out of here. Uh, Don't forget... Again, Nebraska plays Seton Hall tomorrow night. Uh, big thanks to Brian Wilson for joining us tonight, man. That was a lot of fun. Loved it. Uh, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, amongst others. All feedback is welcome. Let us know how you like the show. Please share our episodes. Help us get our show out there. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. And as always... Go Big Red. Go Big Red! This program uh, is built to accomplish a lot, and I'm looking forward to helping it get back there. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify the system for us. <laughs>